evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Crowcast Tuesday Night Live, brought to you by no one, uh, <laughs> but previously brought to you by Smith Partners Real Estate and Down to Earth uh, Electrical and Harvest Flurio and Hardware Unboxed and a whole list of Patreon people that we're very, very grateful for. Uh, if you do want to get on board and sponsor the Crowcast for a week, a month, or the se- the season this year, uh, just let us know. Drop us a DM on Twitter or send an email to sponsorship at aflcrowcast.com. Peter and Nikki, how are you both? I'm very well, thanks, Fiend, and your good self? Well, I'm, I'm good. I've got, a, I've got a decent supply of toilet paper. I'm all good. Excellent, excellent news. Uh, we're down to a one-sheet ration in my home. Um <laughs> I went shopping before anything happened, so I was fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's not get political tonight. Let's keep it to the <laughs> footy, shall we? Um, uh, and let's, uh, Nikki, try and keep it to our target 40 minutes, shall we? <laughs> hey! <laughs> yeah. I, know, no. I noticed, what was that last, last week? Last you talk, week you talked longer than what your allocated time was. <laughs> you, you talked longer than your allocated time for the men's games. So I had a much shorter time period to contend with. Thank you very much. Let's have some news from the AFL, shall we? <laughs> What's going on in the AFL? We've got, uh, we got some uh, teams locked down. We've got uh, Gil coming out and saying we might play in front of uh, no one. Uh, it's all happening in the world of the AFL. Well, it is, and I think that it, yeah, it's it's the uh, it's the disease on everybody's lips, and it, it will it'll filter through to the AFL. Well, it probably already has, um, and that was the obviously the uh, the test that was uh, taken on one of the Fremantle players, and who has subsequently tested negative. How's Sam of, McClure uh, outing that person? Yeah, like, oh, he's a dickhead. He really well, is a dickhead. When is he actually going to get pulled up by somebody? Because that's a breach well, of privacy. What the hell? It's disgraceful. And what was the point? I mean, there was no, you know, the, I mean, the story wasn't the story wasn't the player. The story no. was the disease and or the virus, and so it's just pathetic. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, that's um, so that's a negative. Um, so that's okay. The only other thing related to that, as you say, GWS again, the media taking some license, saying, "Oh, GWS are in lockdown," and mm-hmm. and really all it is is that they just uh, they're not going to encourage the players to be doing signings and things like that so i think that's lockdown i think was a little bit extreme uh, but uh, that would suit the narrative um discussions of course about the um the state of play if we have um a situation where games may need to be played um without crowds as uh, and in fact as we see in italy at the moment the city are has been shut down completely or suspended completely, so there's no games, no nothing. So mm. there is some serious things on the horizon. Um, the NBA is making plans. I heard LeBron on the radio today saying that, well, they want to do that, that's fine, but he won't be. If there's no fans, he won't be playing. It's very but, selfish um, of uh, LeBron. Who knows what his contract says. I suspect it'll have to, but anyway, I mean, these are all things that are uh, that are going on with the, uh, with the virus, and so it's a little bit difficult to, at the moment, but... Um, uh, to, to really, you know, nail it down to exactly how it's going to play out. But it seems that everybody is preparing themselves for some form of disruption. Yes, and, absolutely. And and I'll just say somebody who works closely with an area that is very actively discussing the virus and plans, et cetera, is that it's the logical thing to do and it's actually the smart thing to do is to put plans in place um, because this, it's, it's, 
it's it is serious. Mm. Vardy in the chat, and Vardy's the only person in the chat, so I think chat is actually on lockdown <laughs> at the moment. I think we've quarantined uh, uh, chat. Oh, J-Mac's there, life. he's infected now. Um, but Vardy makes an excellent point. Imagine how different umpiring decisions will be without partisan crowds in their head. Wouldn't mm, that... Very isn't interesting that, point, I mean, I mean uh, we probably hope it doesn't get to the point where we have uh, empty st- stadiums, but uh, it will be very interesting to observe. <laughs> but you know what the, the good thing about it will be? We'll actually be able to hear the players on the field. Well, because that's the one you thing say it's a good thing. I went... <laughs> I know they're going to have to um, put it on the delay. Um, I was sitting in the pocket at the um, Marsh Series game. And because you're that close, you could hear um, the commentary from the, the players. And I quite like to, to hear that because you, you get to understand a little bit of structures. You also get to understand which players are the most vocal, which ones are the most helpful for their teammates um, in in the kind of way of, of making sure, you know, that they're in the right positions and they're doing the right things for the team. Um, we do get a little bit of, but at the SNFL, which Pete would know about, um, going to them, it, I think that would be interesting. But I do think that they would definitely have to have the slight delay to. Well, I think the bigger issue out. is that they're going to, ha- instead of marking the umps, they're going to have to mute them because we already hear them far too often. And uh, <laughs> yeah, raise a ray without uh, the crowd drowning him out. That could uh, that could be more than anyone wants to watch. Um, so anyway, there is that. Um, what else is going on? It's probably a bit bit late to the party, but I I meant to raise it last week, I think, but I didn't. I don't. I can't remember whether we did. The polypharma thing with the uh, with the post mortem di- diagnosis of CTE. Did anyone get around Sam Newman's uh, commentary around that? I never listened to him. Just Not- that it was fairly blasé about the whole thing. Well. No, he's actually come out and thrown doubt on the diagnosis. So he's basically saying, oh, you know, I never noticed anything when I was playing with him and, you know, uh, uh, you know, it's a bit of sensationalism and yeah, rah, rah, rah. I think it's time that Sam sort of switched off Twitter and turned off Channel 9 and, and basically faded off into the distance because he clearly has no education around CTE whatsoever and, you know, one of his good mates, or well, apparently uh, one of his associates is Johnny Barnes, and we all know how much Johnny Barnes is struggling at the moment mm. with issues post-football. So I don't... I know that Sam is... Polypharm is probably the only player that Sam really was in awe of during his playing career. Uh, obviously looked up to him greatly. Um but it's, it doesn't serve any purpose to downplay this diagnosis because it's such a monumental diagnosis in the grand scheme of things in terms of how we treat concussions and head injuries going forward. And it's just a, a narrative that that belongs with the Flat Earth Society, really. I, I think, to be honest, Fane, I, I honestly don't think that... I think he's a lone voice that... Do you think he has his voice has much influence? I, I don't... I mean, and I ask that genuinely. I don't think it does. I think that most people just think he's, like you say, he's just a bit of a, you know, I don't think anyone really takes Sam very seriously. And and it's a kind of, you know, ridiculous comment that, you know, he's become well known for. 
It's, it, and it's just he's just, he's just contrary for for the sake of it most of the time. Look, you're right. I, I think it's just another signpost in the gradual decline or the rapid decline of Sam Newman, really. And uh, I think we need mm. to just just he uh, is buddies with Dank as well. He was one of those defending Stephen Dank. So. Make of that as you will. Yeah, um, well, so but, was Graham Corn. So I wonder how what Cornsey thinks about polypharma's uh, uh, diagnosis. I I actually really like that they did um, test uh, because it is um, a massive issue. We do know that it's um, the football federation in the UK are starting to look very strongly at it because of the the heading of the ball. Mm. Um, so I think. If they can get that data, enough data, that's actually going to change the game of soccer because I think they will have to ban that particular move because it'll be too dangerous. I think that what they're the reading the reading I did is is that they're looking they're certainly if they haven't already done so I think they're looking at uh, making a number of amendments to junior soccer. Yeah, yeah, um, and I think that they're taking. Um, They'll be take. They'll certainly be taking some steps for kids under, I think, twelve or fourteen, um, and um, taking the, the header out of the game at, at that level. Um, and then so I think that, reducing it in training and things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, that's similar to what they do in the US for um, gridiron for NFL is that they have the junior teams where there's less of th- those head-on collisions. Mm. Um, which happened there. So they, they amend the game for the juniors they, and they, they do it a little bit here as well because, you know, you've got the Oz kick with the no tackling and then it's slowly brought in once they're being taught correctly how to do, do, it, do it, fingers mm. crossed. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's one area where I, that I disagree with completely. Pete, you've watched a fair bit of junior footy, haven't you, with mm-hmm. your young lad? Have you ever seen a kid get injured by a tackle? Uh, oh, well, funny you mentioned my kid uh, at pre-season just the other day got a nasty sling tackle just in just in training. Um, he had to come off. Mm. Um, so, look, I, I have. I, I mean, I've seen – yeah, I've seen uh, – I'm a real um, – I've got a real, real bee in my bonnet about the sling tackle. I saw a, a bit more of it yeah. in the Marsh Cup than I really would like to see. I feel like it's not still, – it's still not being stamped out. There's still too much – of it, and you know the one that my kid went through, and I, you know I saw it clear as bell. And you just got another kid who's quite a bit, and it's the same. It's the same thing, the same problem. What they do is that they grab both arms, so the, so the person being tackled's got no way of of um, of defending themselves or propping themselves or, or anything, and then just gets you just gets sl- you know body slammed into the turf, and and even though in that instance he went down kind of on his back. With the initial impact, the flick of the head then still means that he flicks his head on the ground, and it was quite a nasty one. Um, but anyway, sorry, I, you know, I, yeah, I, I'm I'm the wrong person to ask about sling tackles. I, we, I, we do have I don't know, I think, the passion. I think we, we have similar we have similar, ash, we have similar issues in the women's leg as well, um, and it's something that I've raised um, since the AFLW inception is that. The tackling needs to be umpired stronger. If anything that comes close to crossing the line or, you know, is incorrect, should be penalised. But 
they've had a they seem to have had a directive to let the play go, which has caused a a huge increase. Uh, I, I, I think, think it's a really good point, Nikki, because I mean. In all my time coaching junior footy, I never saw one kid get injured um, by a tackle. And uh, back then, probably as opposed to now, Pete, uh, back then um, kids could, uh, especially in the amateur league juniors, uh, could tackle from under nines. Uh, yep. So essentially from the moment they'd stepped onto a field. School footy was a bit different. School footy was usually about year four. Uh, probably year five, actually, uh, before they were allowed to tackle. Um, I, see, my way of thinking, rather than banning something, you're just delaying the process. I'd rather teach them properly and umpire them strongly. Um, yes, absolutely. You know, uh, no, I mean, I dislike sling tackles as much as the next guy. They're, they're not required. The, the object of a, tapple, a tackle is to... Uh, catch a player with a ball and not allow him to dispose of the ball. Um, and, you know, back in the 50s, 60s and 70s, the secondary objective was to hurt the bastard. Um, but, you know, that's that's not part of the modern game. And I think, you know, maybe there needs to be some sort of law changes around bringing a player to ground. I'm not sure. But um, I... I, I actually wish that we would well there's two issues probably there's 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 the issue of a shortage of junior numbers which means you get broader age groups which means you get a bigger disparity between the big kid and the little kid which is always dangerous and second second to that as i mentioned earlier i just wish that we would have uh, more engagement uh, with coaching um, to teach the the kids to tackle correctly, that is to drop their knees once they tackle. Agreed. And yep. for the umpires to umpire it extremely strongly, so that there's yep. no lateral movement in a tackle. You you're basically you're grabbing the guy. You're uh, if you want to bring him to ground, you do it with your own momentum. You're dropping your knees and bringing him down with you, rather yep. than doing the whole windmill. So. Uh, but but anyway, that's that's a side issue. But uh, speaking of which, uh, the MRP was quite busy, uh, but everyone except the sling tackler got off. So Will Hayes got done for his sling tackle on Dan Houston. He's going to miss the first round. Uh, but Viney Cameron and Haywood got off. I think all th- all three of those were probably fair enough, and I think the uh, suspension for the tackle was probably fair enough. Yeah, I had no issues out of the MRP this week. Um, it all seemed pretty, you know, reasonably sensible to me. So, yeah, no issues. Uh, none with um, – there was a bit of consternation about Jeremy Cameron, which I thought was pretty unfair, actually. The guy's running towards the boundary. The guy in front of him goes over, and Jeremy Cameron's, you know, six foot eight or whatever. And uh, we know that the grounds slope away towards the boundary as it is, and uh, he just happened to catch the guy with a knee in front of him. But uh, I, I didn't see anything wrong with that, Jenny. I didn't see it, so I can't comment. But no. um, if you're commenting on Cameron overall, he's just he he's never displayed that kind of "I'm going to get you" kind of thing. Opportunity. No, but he has he a lot of accidents. He does have a lot of accidents. He has a lot of accidents, and but and he and he has a lot of awkward falls and a lot of awkward moments. Nobody's taught him how to fall properly. Mm. I yeah. didn't think there was. I, I agree, Fane. I didn't think there was anything uh, to, to go him about 
there, but I think he walks. A f- I think Jeremy Cameron walks a very, very fine line with the, with his inverted commas awkward movements. Yeah, well, and maybe that's the reason why some of these uh, commentators were a bit less forgiving on it than what I was. Maybe they had, uh, you know, they had similar views of of Jeremy's conduct. But anyway, uh, that was that. Aside from that. Not a lot going on uh, at the Crows. Not a lot going on. Um, doesn't seem to be any further movement on the move to uh, the Aquatic Centre. Um, yeah, there, there was, though, though. There's two things on that. So if you are an Adelaide Football Club member, you got sent a link to the uh, City of Adelaide. No, no, no. Port uh, Adelaide survey, have the Centrelink uh, supporters. You were sent a link. I oh, sent a link. Sorry, I thought you said sent her link. Sent a link. You're wrong side Sorry, of the torrent. Spoke too fast for you. Um, so that is actually open till five o'clock tomorrow to go and have your say. Particularly if you are for the move, um, don't sit back and think it's just going to happen. Um, have your say if you think it's actually a good thing for the clubs going there, or if you think it's a bad thing for the club to move to North Adelaide. It's open. Um, go and. Have have you say on that one? We did have some news from last week because Daniel Jackson arrived and did a nice little presser. I thought. I thought we covered um, that last week, but anyway, keep going. No, we didn't because um, we uh, we said he was going to arrive, but we didn't cover his presser because that was the day after. It was right. on Wednesday. Okay. We Talk about his presser. Well, I actually thought it was uh, fairly impressive. I. I was a little baffled that some people can't listen properly and thought it was just another job for the boys because he somehow knew Fagan, um, not realising that he played with Duncan Kellaway. I was going to say, Kellaway's the connection, isn't he? Yeah, that's the the connection. As soon as he was kind of named, I thought, oh, that's how he found out about it. But then to find out that his partner is actually from Adelaide and had moved back here, was quite refreshing to see a, a bloke like follow his partner um, to the city instead of the other way around. Maybe um, maybe, he, maybe he's the reacher. <laughs> you know, you got the reacher and the settler, Nick. Maybe he's the reacher. <laughs> Who knows? Right. Um, but I I was quite impressed. I thought he interviewed very well. He filled there was some interest. There was some questions, kind of, sort of towards him as to, you know, exactly what he's going to be doing. And and he basically says, well, I don't know yet because this is a new role. I have to get in, have to see what needs to be done, see what I can do to help. Um, I really liked the fact that he kept straight batting when they kept talking about the Richmond culture. And and he was like, well, the culture that you're talking about now is completely different from when he was actually there. And you don't look to copy what other people are doing. Um, You can take bits of it, but it's, Essentially, you need to look at what is right for you in that space and develop it yourself. Um, and he had a very strong message around that, which um, resonated with me quite well. Um, I hope it resonates with the the playing group and the greater footy department and we can hopefully see a few step forwards this year. So, uh, on the uh, you know, and uh, we're all about positivity this year, aren't we, Peter? Um but on the we're very very positive, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we're going to hear a lot about learnings. Little today, learnings uh, this year. I, I wonder if he's going to do any work with the uh, with the back office um, because you know one of the laments about the review was that it was very footy ops uh, focused, 
um, and the view was perhaps that some of the issues weren't footy ops but actually administrative. I wonder if he's actually going to tackle the broader cultural issues that may or may not exist uh, in head office uh, and not just those within the football department. I don't think he's got that mandate, to be honest. Yeah, I don't think he does. And that's a bit of a pity. To be, I've got to, I've got to say, it's a bit of a pity um, because I don't I'm think just... I don't think you can have two parts of the club not seeing from the same hymn book. And I think if yes. you're going to instill a culture in an organisation, you, you can't do it at the coalface and not also do it at the uh, executive level. That's my opinion. Well, I think that that plays back into what you, you always, uh, what was always your concern about the review, and that was that it was only ever directed at the football department, and and, and that's where it was quarantined. There was never any um, anything that went past, um, you know, that that line of demarcation, and so I guess that then plays into well, if you know, if if the football department review thought that they needed that extra person yeah, for culture, then you know that's where the problem lies. It, it, it's a worry from the point of view that a lot of those um, committee-type uh, situations like selection committee and whatnot, they have a direct report to a board representative. You know, Rue's chairman of the list management committee is chairman of, I think he's, sits, uh, he's on something they else. sit on too. selection. Yeah, so, I mean, again, if you in on yeah, if you're going to run, um, if you're going to run those committees uh, in the um, Peter, you eating? No. Yeah, Sorry. <laughs> um, if you if you're going to run those um, those committees and those operations with uh, with within a certain cultural backdrop, and you have an external person that's actually running that committee, that is not part of that. Uh, not part of that program. It, to me, it just seems to be a bit of a disconnect. But anyway, we'll see how it plays out. I think Daniel's appointment is positive. He seems like he's fairly switched on. I don't think he's got a mandate. There was a lot of I don't know yet, uh, which unsettled me a little bit, Nikki. I didn't have the same take as you. I, I felt like there should have been uh, some sort of picture provided to him, but it sounded like... May, he either wasn't disclosing it or there wasn't. I, th- I think it's the first one. Well, I let's mean, hope so. It, the smart, the, it, to me, he comes across <clears throat> as, as quite smart. He was very um, measured in his responses and there were some pauses that made me think he's just going through how do I how do I say this and what do I actually reveal? Ticking um, that over, yeah. A lot of, yeah, what what. One of the things I like inter- listening to a lot in terms of interviews, particularly with football people, is not what is said but what isn't said and how they answer questions because you, you can figure out more what's going on by those two than what they've actually been told to say and taught mm. to say. Yep. Uh, what else is going on around the Crows? I don't think there is anything else apart from talking about last week's game against Gold Coast. So why don't we get into that, shall we? Did you both see the game? I saw it on uh, replay. I was involved in junior football myself on Friday evening, so I, but I did sit down on Saturday and watch the replay. I was at the ground and I in, was down the bottom end, so it was... Yep, I was down down in the the, the little the southern pocket. 
Um, yeah, that's so, almost Victor Harbour. quite a few goals. <laughs> yeah, it almost is, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, quite pleasant sitting under the trees on your chair. Yeah. Um, look, I thought it was an interesting uh, hit out. Uh, I don't know whether it was necessarily indicative of uh, the end product, and I felt like uh, a few things were tried during the course of the game. Um, Agreed. I do. I did like some of the individual performances, um, and there were a couple of that concerned me. But before I go on my merry way, um, uh, Pete, first of all, what were your overall impressions, and what did you like, and what didn't you like? Uh, well, from a, a positive point of view, there wasn't. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going. I won't. I've got w- probably one little negative that I'll probably have a chat about later. But yeah. generally speaking, looking at taking a positive take, I, I thought that there were some. I thought we had some really, really nice moments um, in terms of our ball movement, and um, uh, I really, really liked the um, uh, the collection of midfielders of of Seedsman, um, Smith, and Atkins. I think those three. Um, playing closer to the ball with their foot skills, I think, is a, is a plus. Um, I think that, you know, I'd rather have them closer to the contest and distributing the ball than, say, you know, Brad or Matt. Mm. Um, so I, I thought that was really good. And I think that's a, a, something that I think we'll see more of. I think those three will have much more midfield time than they have had in the past. Um, I thought Benny Davis was terrific. I thought he really showed – he had some really, really classy moments where I think we really saw what he is capable of doing. He just needs to do more of it for longer. Um, and um, But he, he had some really, really nice moments, I thought. Um, overall, I thought that, you know, we I thought we were pretty efficient. I think um, when I looked at the stats, our, our inside 50 conversion was much more efficient than Gold Coast. Um, I thought that um, we – our statistically, we, we beat them, I think, fairly comfortably on the outside, even though they won on contested possession. Um, so I thought that there was some, you know, if what they're trying to do is 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 play a slicker, you know, a ball movement style game, um, possession sort of style game, then I think that what what I liked in terms of the direction is that is is that there's at least an attempt there to identify who the best distributors of the ball is or, or are, I should say, and to try and get those distributors, you know, close to the ball than maybe what they have been in the past, and to try and get the, get the ball moving, moving with them um, with good skills. And so, uh, you know, from a positive point of view, they're, they're the, I guess some of the things that I took out of it. Nikki, and just to just yeah, just to back up on the first point that Pete made there about um, the Smith Atkins and Seisman in the middle. What I really liked was Campo no longer being in charge. We didn't get crouch, crouch, slow. We got two of those slower midfielders and a quicker pace one in terms of either Seedsman, um, Atkins or Smith. Um, people, I did see some complaints that Jones was played more as a half forward, but so was Sloan. But you need to take into account that we had a really good look at Jones um, in the first Marsh game. He got a very solid hit out through the middle. So the coaching staff has seen what he can do in that setup. We didn't get a look at Smith and we didn't get a look at Seisman because they missed those games. So they had they had the extended runs. Um, Atkins was a little better than what I thought he was going to be. Uh, my biggest disappointment will be if Gibbs is in the round one team and doesn't spend the entirety of the year in the SNFL. Um 
I liked some of the things we were trialling and it was very obvious that we were testing a few things. Gold Coast rested players after the the first half, so they had fresher players in the second half and I thought that showed a little bit. Some of the delivery to our forwards I thought was still poor. Um, a few people were complaining about Tex bodying his opponent. It was often the case he got on a break, got on a good lead, the delivery was over his head. So he had to bulk and he knew he was all of a sudden his defender was going to be on him and he had to try and outbody to get it. Whereas if he actually, they passed it to him on the beautiful lead and the space that he'd gotten, um, it might have been a different story. Like you, Pete, I really like Davis and I have for quite a while. I thought he was very smart on the field. He had a lot of really good voice as well in terms of directing traffic, making sure the areas were covered. A um, couple of times he made the mistake and he fought like buggery to fix it up again, and I love seeing that in a footy player. To me, that's a basic thing. You stuff something up, you go and you fix it. Um, and he's just got some lovely tricks. Um, the other issue I thought Bloody hell, was... was, was just one more thing is that... Um, I like the look of the the forward line, but Gold Coast was very conscious of Crocker. And so he's got to try and work out how to get past two defenders because I think that's going to happen quite a bit. Yeah, um, I'll probably go along with most of that. Um, I think special mention to uh, Darcy, even though he didn't have a huge numbers, I just felt that he uh, showed us what a presence uh he can potentially be up forward. Um, I'm yes. not sure whether long-term he and Tex in the same forward line is workable. Um, I actually, I, I'm a bit worried about Tex, to be honest with you. Um, I think we might see um, a little bit of a, the demise of um, Tex this year, um, depending, I think, on how the tools come on. I, I thought uh, Davis showed enough for us to persist with him as the first option in terms of that third tall sort of um, Mitch McGovern type role. Um, he, you know, plays up or down, so uh, he provides a bit of X factor there. Um, the one that the one he was only there for a short moment, but the actual the one that I liked up forward was Mackesy. Um I actually liked the look of him up forward, and I know they only put him up there for the last you know, a few minutes of the game, but he he got to a couple of marking contests and uh, a little bit more luck and a little bit more confidence. They pr- he probably would have stuck to marks uh, near the end there. And uh, he reads the play beautifully. He really does. He read the flight of the ball in both those, those situations because they were heavy packs, and uh, he almost took uh, both attempts uh, uncontested in the end. Um. Uh, I think we've got an issue with our tall forward. Um, I don't think either Frampton or Himmelberg have obviously uh, stuck their hand up. Um, And with Geordie Butts sitting in the twos, looking like he could hold down a spot, um, it does does beg the question, do we play play Fraser up forward? Um, I guess... Sorry, Fisher up forward. I guess that's something for the selection committee to work out. They have shown their hand by starting him down back, but the fact that they even thought about throwing him forward means that it's part of the conversation, and I don't mind it at all. Brody Smith can never, ever, ever not play midfield 
for the rest of his career. Um, oh, he know, was so good. Uh, his pace, his delivery, uh, his presence around the ground. Yes, it was a pre-season game, but, um, you know, many people have been commenting for the last three or four years uh, the fact that he should have been getting more midfield minutes and uh, I think he vindicated the fact that even if he's, you know, not what you'd call an elite <coughs> midfielder, he's certainly, in terms of our squad at the moment, he provides something that very few other players in our squad provide and that's a bit of explosive pace uh, and a penetrating kick. Um, I thought both he and Seisman were very good. Um, I was really disappointed with Brad Crouch. Um, I felt like it was a game that he could have had far more influence uh, and I think it's Brad's um, big um, challenge this year is not to accumulate big numbers but to have big influences in games um, and, <clears throat> you know, I, I continue to worry about his composure uh, in tight, uh, but that remains to be seen. Down back, I thought we were pretty good. Um, as I said, uh, Macasey, I thought, did reasonably well. Uh, we seem to have a bit of bounce off half back. I'd, not many people have mentioned Rory Laird, but I thought Rory Laird was a little bit more decisive uh, this week. Um, his disposal was... Yes, a little bit more uh, uh, um, creative by foot, I felt. I, I felt our, our overall game style was very kick-oriented. And uh, it's interesting because we we wanted to we wanted to spread out a defence fairly quickly and yet it wasn't the usual bang-bang kick it into the forward line transition that we've seen from the Crows in the past. What it was was very much about spreading the ground and opening up corridors into the forward line, but still giving uh, still giving our uh, our midfield and our, and our forwards enough time to get into position and actually provide meaningful contests. And I just wonder whether that's part of Nix's game plan, that, yes, we do want to explode out of defence, but we don't necessarily want to always just go, you know, two kicks and hit the square. Sometimes we just want to spread the ground and open up the play and... Uh, provide some space for forwards uh, and you know transition players to move into and uh, so, some of the uh, some of the transition players were very good I think we've got a way to go with our disposal but um, I, I don't mind it uh, and if you know people keep making comparisons obviously to GWS and it's very much what GWS do they tend to chip around chip around load up and then go bang sort of thing so um, Look, overall, despite the fact that we actually lost the game and, you know, the start wasn't fantastic, um, and I do agree with you, Nick, about Bryce, so ter- terribly disappointing. The the other one, my disappointments, I guess, would have, apart from Brad Crouch not having as much of an influence as he should, uh, Bryce Gibbs just doesn't look engaged anymore. And um, uh, the other one was Wayne Miller. I... I Wayne Miller, I don't know whether he's had a heavy preseason, but he looked very heavy-legged to me. He thinks he's got more time than he does. I, I think that's what it comes down to. He thinks he's got more time. And because he's he's been able to do those little evasive things before, but they know about him. They know that he's now the prime mover out of halfback because there is no Smith to try and lock down on. He's going to get more of an option. I did see some people um, that were calling, you know, put him back in the midfield. But, Fiend, you and I have 
talked about this ad nauseum that he gets lost in there. He needs to be able to straight line the ball. He needs to work from behind the ball. Um, and, you know, that when he got caught, run down, you could, we could see it coming a mile away. Was there no talk? Or he just wasn't listening. He just thought, oh, no, they're not going to catch me. I was like, dude, there's some quick players in other teams. So, yeah, they are. Um, yeah, it's just he, – he was just slightly off the boil. Speaking of run out of half back, can I just put my little gripe in, um, which I mentioned at the start. My gripe for that game is that I cannot believe that we had Will Hamill sitting on the bench, stripped – um, and ready to play, and they obviously elected to go with 22, fair enough, but you've got a kid who's played a full season in the Sandful. He's a number 30 draft picked in that 2018 draft. He's played good football through the Sandful last year. He doesn't, he doesn't get a run in Marsh 1. He plays very well in the under-23 game against Port, and then for some reason we get him stripped and ready to play and going out and have a kick before the game and then just don't play him in, in March 2. Now, I can't believe and I cannot see any legitimate reason why we wouldn't have given that kid a run around just to see how he, how he went in, 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 in senior competition. I was very, very disappointed by that. I wholeheartedly agree, Peter. Um, in particular, the way that there was some stinking happening on that half-back line. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I as a coach, I would have thought, I, I'm not sure what the value of giving Bryce um, 120 minutes of football was. Uh, I think, you know, a, a half a game from Bryce was enough to tell you where he was at. And we left at the end of that game still not, not knowing where Will Hamill's at. And mm. I thought the object of the experiment was to... Uh, to play the kids. So anyway, I mean, look, I agree with you on that one. Uh, that was a bit disappointing. And especially when, you, you know, Gold Coast played 26. Yep. I'm not sure, quite sure why we decided we had to limit ourselves to 22. Um, and, you know, even if you look at the other guys that were on the bench, I mean, you know, guys like Himmelberg, yeah, they'd had Marsh 1. Um, so, you know, why – so here we are. We're, we're now – we're now – his second, Hamill's second preseason has come to a close, and we've seen him in two under twenty-three games. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you know it's piss poor. Well, anyway. and if he was sore from the twenty-three game, then there's question marks about his fitness. Really, he should have been able to get up for that one. Um, and I don't think that was the case. It just seems to oh, me to be the only. The, I mean, if you, you're right, Pete, if you suit him up, then he's ready to go. Otherwise, you just don't bother picking him. Um, he was ready to go, and he was fit as a fiddle, and, and um, you know, he's not—he's was... not—he's not some—he's not a rookie pick from. No, he's picked thirty in that twenty eighteen draft. Yeah, I was surprised that they sent Talia back on because they start, but started to warm up. Yeah, and I thought, yep, you know, with Talia, he's our key backman, and he landed bloody hard on his coxet. Mm. Just, you know, we're in the last quarter. Yes, we were a little bit of a mess down back once we lost him um, to direct and control that back line. But I would have thought to leave him on the bench. I thought they should have brought butts on and um, or that that was an opportunity of, okay, let's go smaller. Let's, you know, play around a little bit and see what happens. And they could have brought Hamill on Um, or that there was 
there were some opportunities there in that last quarter, particularly with that injury to Talia, that I think he should have been parked on the pine. Mm. Look, uh, the other disappointment, uh, Luke Brown's form concerns me a little bit. Uh, I thought he got towed up by Sexton and a couple of others. Um, I hope he hasn't got signed a long-term contract fever. Um Caught by caught from David McKay, um, but he he looks a little bit off the boil at the moment, and he's a he's a bit of a linchpin in our defence in terms of locking down a small forward. So I hope it's just a case of him easing his way into the season. Um, but look, I think at at the end of the day, I, I we did see um, some early signs of what Matthew Nix is is looking for. Um, We've seen some new faces and we've seen some old faces in new positions. Um, and, you know, I don't think it's going to be a, a case of we're playing an under-23 side every week. I think we'll still have a have a mix of seniors and juniors. But I do see, as I mentioned earlier, I see the demise of one or two players, um, Gibbs, as we've talked about. I don't, how, how did you guys see Texas game? Because to me, I found it very concerning. Oh, he wasn't great, but he was in a different role in the sense that he was he was the second ruck. Um, and I think that, you know, they've got a decision to make about, you know, it's an important structural um, piece that they've got to decide upon. The fact that it's been incredibly disappointing that neither Himmelberg or Frampton have demanded selection. And so they've got to sort of say, well, are we going to stick with that second ruck yeah. forward structure, even though we don't really have a player in form to play it? Or are we going to pick a team on full and move away from from that structure that you know that we that we know and love? Um, and if we do move away from it, well, then how are we going to um, how are we going to operate that? And so they've obviously pinned it, uh, you know, trialed it with techs. And so you know, to be fair, I suppose you, you have to. I guess we just got to acknowledge that he was playing um, at times uh, a fairly different role than what he would normally be used to. Um, so that's, I guess, some reasoning, I guess. Um, uh, if we, I'm not quite sure that I much fancy going into um, a game with him in that, in that role. I'm not quite sure he's the answer, um, but I'm not sure quite, you know, if he's not the answer, then, you, you know, you're back to playing probably Himmelberg. Um, and, um, you know, does he well, really deserve to play? Well, yeah, but sometimes, especially during this phase of squad development, Pete, sometimes you you play players that don't deserve to play. Mm. Um, and I don't know what value there is in, in giving a, a 32-year-old, 33-year-old a new role uh, in the twilight of his career um, to that extent. I mean, I don't mind text pitch hitting up forward in the ruck for a few contests. That's fine. Um, but he's not a sec- second ruckman's asshole, And to me, it's just... His body doesn't hold up at the best of times. You start putting him up against Ruckman, and uh, he's not going to last but, anyway. No, just just on that though, what, he often wasn't going up because he pick, he pick and choose his time as to when he was going to. If they're running at him, he didn't, yeah, and so, then he often got the ball and he either dished it out or he gave a really good delivery. He becomes an extra midfielder. Yeah, and no, no, Texas no. That, got, Nikki, Texas that, got a very good football bearing. Nikki, that gets I, that gets found out very very quickly. That gets if if they I'm, know that Tex is not going to go up. Words. 
I'm trusting Nix's word that this was just a little trial. They're not going to do it every game. It was just a test to see how he went and they wouldn't do it against every team. They'll pick and choose when and if they do it. I think that's what it was. I think it was also a kick in the butt to Himmelberg and Frampton. It it worries me that it was even... been good enough. It worries me that it was even part of the conversation, to be honest. The fact that they are looking that broadly for a role to accommodate Tex or to have him in the team concerns me. Um, The guys are lead up forward. Um, There's obviously overwhelming pressure, and rightly so, to play Fogarty, um, which means we've got we've got two clones playing the same role and eventually we're going to have to give Fogg the, the reins up forward there and then obviously the question then is what do you do with Tex and I don't know whether pinch hitting in the ruck and playing high half forward is the answer for the Texan um, and you know neither Frampton or Himmelberg have knocked down the door you're right Peter but I think you, you play the blokes you've got in the positions that they're best suited and then you make a call at the end of the year as to whether they're the right personnel, you know what I mean? Especially, mm. especially at this stage of squad development. And I think, I think both those lads deserve a run at it and I think they should just be played, played in those positions and let go. And if that means that Tex has to uh, bow out gracefully, well, I think so be it. Yeah, no, that's a fair call. Anyway, we've got uh, we've got a week's rest now, which is probably good. Uh, just quickly, we don't have many injuries. We've only got today, uh, who's about two weeks away, and Riley Knight, who's about four weeks away. Uh, so we're looking all right. Um, some some teams, bloody hell, Brisbane have got none. But then you go down to Collingwood and Carlton and Carlton and Essendon, they got horrific. Um, Injury lists. Even Hawthorne aren't looking. Uh, Hawthorne for a change aren't looking that great. Melbourne obviously not looking that great. So, you know, it's probably one thing that we've got going for us. And I always think injury lists Pete, are a sign of how a team's going to start. So, uh, on that basis, look out for St Kilda and Brisbane. I reckon early doors. Yeah, I think so. And I think if you've got some young players, um, especially they're just breaking through, and you you see that sort of enthusiasm and. And um, you quite often see those sort of teams bang on, you know, three or four wins early in the season before falling away. And um, if if we didn't have the fixture that we've got, I almost say that we might have been potentially able to do that. But we've got a horrendous. After Sydney, it's jeez. Uh, yeah, it's a bit it's rough. Dark times. It's a bit rough. Despite the venue, I don't think the venue is going to make much difference this year. Uh, no. All right, now Nikki, you've got about. Uh, <laughs> Two minutes on the AFLW, and quite frankly, oh Nikki, God. quite fr- frankly, that's Nikki, deserves. that's all it bloody deserves. Go ahead. Um, I The one kind of positive for me out of it was that last week I complained that Clark had his one game plan and he stuck to it. At least he tried some things this time. Didn't quite work. But he tried things and he moved the team around and, and made some changes. As soon as Phillips was out and we had to bring Chelsea Bedell back in, th- that game was well and truly lost. Um, uh, I do think the player who actually needs to be dropped but won't is Marinoff. Um, there we is just don't have the personnel. Here. Yeah, we don't have the personnel and she. I don't think she has really improved from the first season. She's been she's up for a long time, Nikki. 
she she has, but she's also had the entire. She's she doesn't play games during the off season. Um, Maybe so that's an issue. A chance for the no. Well, well, it worked last year, um, and but she's still got that dinky high kick. Um, she still doesn't look. She just kind of I I have to wheel onto my left and I just kick it out in that direction. And opposition teams are getting to know that. They've always got players tend to covering it. She's not as damaging because they're those. They are the layered high kicks. Well, um, I think what Ed's shown. Needs to teach how to kick properly. Well, what Ebony's shown, I think, is that she needs class around her. Um, and in the absence of yeah. a couple of really key players this season, we were hoping that she would fill that void somewhat. And not saying that's beyond her, but I, don't, I just don't think she's that kind of player. She's that bullocking, bustling sort of a player um, who's who's going to get you a lot of ball, but um, like you say, Nikki, probably not the quality distribution. Um, and I, mean, also, I have a ton of admiration like... for Marinoff in terms of how she plays the game. I, oh, and yeah, I think... So do I. I. She is one of my favourite players, but she frustrates me because you can see where those issues are and then they haven't been corrected. Yeah, but or you she know, she doesn't seem to know how to correct them. Well, if she's only playing ten games of footy a year, Nick, you're not going to correct them. It's you're not playing enough football. You basically you're you are the player that you are, and you're going to turn up and you're going to do what you do. If she was playing twenty two rounds of footy and you know being coached every week and all the rest of it, then that's a different kettle of fish. But if she's rocking up for AFLW season, playing ten games off the back of a two week pre season. What you see is what you get from her, and uh, what you get is a pretty on- honest performance usually, but she can only be part of the machine, and I I think she needs to have classy players around her. Yeah, well, one of the things we've been very obvious this season with her is that unless she can stick a tackle, she's not interested in doing defensive pressure. Um, that's I think that's the main thing that's really annoyed me about her this season is that she's close enough that we know she could close and put that pressure on. She might not get a tackle, but she can put the pressure on the opponent that's just waltzing away. And she just tends to jog behind them going, oh, they've got the ball and they're going forward. Okay, bye, Mm. kind of thing. So I think... Two flags will do that for you? No, I think think she's actually injured. Well, that's a possibility as well. I, I think that's what's going on. Um, and it, you know, if that is the case, then actually rest her. Well, they I, can't. I know we're probably, they just can't. I know we're probably, I know we're probably going to get beaten by more, but get some development into those younger players. Um, well, the season's still alive, Nick. Uh, as unlikely yeah, as that is, so. you know, I mean, the GWS game this weekend is a huge one because we can yeah. basically leapfrog them. Um. Not that it's likely. I wouldn't have thought it would take a Herculean effort. And realistically, I don't think we're, as I said to you the other day, I don't think we're contenders, to be honest. So um, No. But, you know, the club will play the season out as they should and they'll pick a team to win and they'll, they'll try to make finals because final, they do have a couple of younger players and the experience in finals will be good for them. So, um, Yeah, we've, we've seen that this year with Nikki Gore. She got her couple of games last season... At that speed, she went back and, and finished off and played in a premiership for South Adelaide. And she's just she's done that step up this year. 
So mm. for me, that's what getting those players in, those younger players, and giving them a chance. Yeah, they're going to get a bit smashed at times, but at least we're not Richmond. No, well, I mean, Richmond get a get a point because they're just new, um, but certainly uh, St Kilda have done quite well. Um, I, just to round off the, the AFLW, um, Nick, I would have thought it's between North and Brisbane this year, do you reckon? I think it might be. Brisbane um, have overachieved, but they've, they've sustained it, so they, they have to be considered. They as- have, and, and they do have a very good coaching group. Um, there and there is a lot of really good Queensland talent. I thought, and I said this at the start of the the year on the podcast, I thought they might be the only team to go through a season um, not winning because they had so many injury issues and with the the lightning strike to Jess Wushner. I mean, one of their rest in game two, not against us. <laughs> I think we would have had a very different season so far if that hadn't happened. Um, that they've just kind of gelled together. Um, quite nicely there and and playing that good team footy which they they have always displayed um but I do think it's still it's not like we were the standouts last year it was very obvious we were the standouts um I don't think there's a team like that I think there can be surprises on the day yep all right well look that'll wrap up a, a bit of a short short one on the AFLW this week um we do have GWS yeah, yeah just one final thing. Very sad to see our record um, gone from the grand final, but uh, that was a great crowd at the MCG on Sunday. And go the Aussie. Oh, let, let's claim the record as the um, as the local sporting. Uh, well, no, no, no. The percentage of possible seats. So yes, we true. we we filled the stadium. They only got eighty six, which is only eighty six percent of of possible <laughs> attendees anyway look that'll do uh look uh that's pre-season done uh nikki that's you done we've enjoyed oh, having hey. you around haven't we pete yeah no, terrific <laughs> certainly uh certainly better than uh, enthusiasm there peter certainly, I felt... <laughs> certainly nikki um i certainly defer to your expertise on the aflw no no question <laughs> I try. Critically important. How's the back of your hand going there, Peter? Because that was very backhanded. Look, no, really, Nick, thanks. Um, your um, your insight into the Women's League is invaluable and I hope our listeners have appreciated it during the preseason. Obviously, there's one or two games to go, but we must defer to our normal lineup. So... We bring in donkey off the arguing about it with on Sunday with Macca. That's right. So we we bring in donkey back next Tuesday, and I'm sure that oh, you everyone <laughs> everyone's missed the donk. Uh, he's uh, been on Messenger with me with all these bright ideas about what he's going to do and all that sort of stuff, uh, which is fantastic. He has uh, all credit to him uh, in the first five minutes of being back from leave. He's uh, arranged um, a nice little guest uh, for us, which is quite nice. Um, I'm not sure when exactly that will happen, but it will certainly happen within the next couple of weeks, and it could be an ongoing guest spot on Tuesday Night Live, which will be quite fun. Uh, but, Nikki, thanks very much um, uh, thanks, for your Nikki. time, and we'll see you uh, on the rap show after round one. Uh, Peter, and you Maybe are... some cameos when Mate. fill-ins required. Well, I'm going to try and avoid it, to be honest. 
you know, there is there is Macca and Cam, you know. So, uh, no, look, no, all jokes aside, thanks very much. Um, so next Tuesday will be our first round preview, Tuesday Night Live. Obviously, Tuesday Night Live is going to be our live and interactive show, so not a huge amount of analysis. Pete, a bit more, a uh, bit, bit more of a rabble, uh, which is far easier to control, to, to be honest with you. We'll, we'll, we'll keep trying to get it punchy. Well, yeah, well, we've hit 56, 57 minutes. My God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how we go next week, won't we, Nikki? Um, <laughs> so next week, Tuesday night, Tuesday night live, uh, Thursday, uh, might be Friday, actually. Keep an eye out for the first episode of The River, which is obviously a preview show of the big game next or Saturday week uh, against the Swans. Uh, until then, thanks, everyone, for joining us on the chat. Uh, try to stay safe uh, difficult interesting times at the moment but uh, we hope we can give you a little bit of a relief from that uh, so until next week we'll see you then see you later everyone bye bye all.